Welcome to Real Money Talks. Real strategies from the money makers and the world changers that you can use to make millions, keep those millions, multiply your wealth, and build your team. Here's your host, author of five New York Times bestsellers, money expert on Dr. Phil, CNN, CNBC, The Street TV, Fox News, and The View, Laurel Langmire. Hi, this is Laurel, and welcome back to Laurel's Real Money Talks, a podcast that talks about how to make money, how to keep money, how to put that money to work and in proper investments off Wall Street, and how to create a team of just superstar financial folks. So in all those categories, I bring guests and I do, you know, straight podcast myself on content that's going to help you. So coming up in the future, stay tuned. We have a, a podcast on taxes. Again, the t- 2018 tax reform is extraordinary. Also on forecasting, how to spend your money. As you know, we don't believe in budgeting over here. We spend our money properly and there's a strategy to that. And today we're going to talk about how to make it. You know, people complain about cash flow all the time in their businesses. And the way you get cash flow is you have got to make some sales. So I have Ross Jeffries with me today, absolute expert in uh, the secrets of selling. So Ross, welcome to Laurel's World Money Talk. Well, it is an honor and a pleasure to be here speaking to you from somewhat sunny San Diego. We're actually not living up to our reputation. We're overcast (laughs) today. So there you go. So, Ross, just for the listeners, you know, review, we have listeners all over the world. Give them a little background about how did you end up becoming a sales author, trainer, coach in that space? Sure. So my initial interest 30 years ago, I was the guy who could not get a date, believe it or not. I mean, I know you know me, so how handsome and charming I am. And I got into something called neurolinguistic programming, which is the study of how language structures consciousness, shapes decisions, and drives behavior. And through this, I learned how to communicate in a way that was charming and get past my fears. And I recognized, wait a minute, if I could get past my fears and lean to, so to speak, sell myself to get a date, I could turn around and use this to make money and teach people how to develop real confidence. I mean, when you go through the dating game, you have to hear a lot of no's. So I learned to develop a mindset that handled no and heard it as, well, that just means this person hasn't yet discovered how wonderful I am. (laughs) So I began to train myself to make a lot of money. And then over the years, my students would come back to me and say, you know, I met my wife using your stuff, but I've tripled my income using it. And I thought, hmm, I should go into this. And I did a couple of courses and wrote a book. And then since then, I've been training sales teams and corporations how to use this to do what I call subtle selling. And that's basically the art of getting their prospect to convince themselves to buy without pushing, pressuring, or pitching using unconscious influence. And so tell us the title of your book. And I believe I'm sure it's out on Amazon. Folks that are listening can go get it. Yes. So the book is called Subtle Words That Sell, How to Get Your Prospects to Convince Themselves to Buy Without Pushing, Pressuring, or Pitching. That's a long title. If you just remember subtle words that sell, you'll find it. Awesome. So, Ross, let's start with just the myths. I mean, so many people say, you know, I don't believe that public speaking is actually the biggest fear. I think selling is. Having, you know, we're teaching the whole broad spectrum of money. People would love to go put their head in the sand and go write a book for a year versus try to make a sale. So I think selling is the biggest fear. But talk about the myths around selling and some of the things that could improve people's ability. 
Yes. I'll tell you one of the big ones. And I come at this from a very shocking perspective, an outsider's view. And here's, here's the big one. The myth is that you are selling your product or your service or even yourself. We hear this so many times, and it's not true. The truth of the matter is you're never selling your service or your product. You're always selling decisions and good feelings about decisions. This is a crucial thing to understand because generally speaking, and you know this very well, teaching about wealth and acquisition and money, most people, when it comes to big money, they do not know how to make a good decision and they don't know how to feel about the decisions they make. So don't even consider yourself, if it feels better, don't even think of yourself as a salesperson. Think of yourself as a decision service technician. And notice how that pressure is relieved when you think of yourself that way, because that, in essence, is what you're doing. Does that make sense? It absolutely does. In fact, because I feel like the stuff that we're doing, too, it's just so obvious, right? People need to learn about money. And, you know, we just, we provide them that solution. So I like that you uh, put in the decision service technician. I love that. So talk about a few other myths, though. There's more myths. Sure. So I I love that retitles the position for people. But what else? The second, the second myth is that it's crucial to get rapport. I'm sure everyone has heard this. We need to get people in rapport with us when, in fact, rapport is just a subset of what I call a responsiveness frame. Yes, rapport is important, but I want people to be responsive to me. If I can get people responsive and ready to buy, then I can skip over rapport. I don't know if you read sales books and they say you've got to get rapport with a, your prospect. If they have a, a fish on the wall that they've caught, you've got to talk about fishing or if they have pictures of their kids. Uh, you have to talk about, oh, what, what beautiful children they are. It's not true. You don't have to do it. You just I have to get them. I would totally agree. I think all that's plus and actually match what you're getting to. I'm with you, and I've studied all sorts of NLP. I'm NLP trained as well. That's yes. why I wanted to come with yes. Because it's just critical. Yeah. It's like, what do you want? And let me get it to you. And in a caring, forward-thinking yes. way. Yep. Yes. Let me give you a third myth, if I may. The third myth is that people buy from people they like. Now, I know this is going to blow your mind. Now, In a sense, that's true. They're not going to buy from you if they don't like you. But what's more important, what's more important than being liked is the ability to capture and lead the imagination and the emotions of your prospect. And through that process, lead them to make the decisions that you want them to make. They can like you all they want, but I'm sure you'll agree with this. You are not in business to be liked. You're in business, sure, to serve the people who you're selling to, but you're in business fundamentally to make the sale. And may I say, collect the money. And being liked is nice, but it's not sufficient. You have to be able to capture and lead the imagination and the emotions of the person who you're selling to and guide them to the point where they get the perception at the very least that the decision they're making is their own thought. Because if I can add one more thing, actually it goes into the next round of questions. So we'll hold that next thing. Well, but I want to speak to that because, you know, I just spoke on a stage yesterday down in L.A. and a woman signed up not only for what I was selling, you know, and you were with me just recently, my three-day off Wall Street workshop. She went straight for private coaching with me. 
And she said, you know, you scare the shit out of me. I actually don't think I'm going to like you. I'm actually just yeah. it. She said, but I know you have what I need and I trust you. Exactly. And in money, exactly. that trust, it's pivotal. And we talked about it. I said, you know, this isn't about us being girlfriends and hanging out. That's not what this is about. This is about, you know, I can help you. You know, I have the, the results to help you. you. Have, so, yeah, I, it was more about the trust. You, may I offer you a compliment? Here's Absolutely. the compliment. I'm serious about this. I'm not just buttering your bread. You don't just get people to trust you. You get people to trust that they can do it and that they can do it today and they can do it at whatever point they are in their life. So it's not just a matter of them trusting you, your skill set, if I may say, in addition to what you're actually delivering, but your skill set as a salesperson is getting people to trust themselves, which is much more difficult. It's much more difficult. I'm not saying you personally, I'm using the editorial you because I've seen people present in a way where people will trust them. But your skill set is getting people to trust themselves. And that's the crucial thing. It is not enough to get people to trust you anymore. It used to be. But now with all the bad decisions that have come down with the real estate crash and the stock market crash and all the financial fraud, people have to be able to trust themselves that they can do it. And the skill of a real salesperson and a real coach and teacher, which you are, is to get people to trust that they can do it. And they can do it no matter what circumstances they find themselves in their life. And that's the beautiful thing about what you do, because you teach people to do these things no matter what circumstances they find themselves in. So my hat, I'm not wearing a hat, but if I were, my hat would be off to you. Thank you. Well, and I think, you know, just to speak to that, I mean, you know, like I know there's just so many people who promise results and actually are doing cathartic behavior instead of actually serving someone else implicitly without any agenda than helping someone else in their life, which I love to do. So speaking of that, I know I have the skill. I know you have the skill. But talk about the difference between influence and manipulation, because it is very important. It is so vivid. And, you know, I almost use the word integrity around the influence. Like I use the two eyes, you know, simultaneously because it's congruency around that. So speak to that difference, because I think that's also what holds people back. Is there a thing? Well, sales is manipulative. I'm not going to manipulate anybody out of their money. We're not manipulating yeah. anybody out of their money. We're helping no. them. No. For me, manipulation involves one of the following things. Number one, lying about facts. You say that your course has a proven track record of making people half a million dollars, which by the way, will get the feds down on you, as you know. When in fact, your course has never made anyone any money. So it's, it's lying about facts. Number two, concealing material facts. You don't mention the fact that the house that you're selling is infested with rats. Number three, pushing down on people's pain points, pushing down really hard on their shame, their fear, their despair. And finally, coercion. If you don't do this, uh, I'm going to do that or I'm going to do this. To me, influence has got nothing to do with that. And to me, influence is not about getting your ideas to penetrate the mind of your prospect. It's about expanding the minds of your prospects to encompass and include your ideas. It's about expanding consciousness. It's about opening up the mind of your prospect to include ideas and possibilities that they never thought that they could have in their life. And once again, I will tip my hat to you. I've watched you, and this is something you do. You're able to expand the mind of your prospects to include the ideas that you're presenting. Versus, for me, also, manipulation is high pressure. It implies that you're 
pushing something and you're trying to get something to penetrate. And so that is the major difference for me. If I could provide a metaphor, for most people, their sense of possibility is like looking through a narrow keyhole of what they already know. So a good influencer knows how to take that keyhole and open it up into a picture window where they actually can see possibilities that they just couldn't see before they heard you or listened to you because they were stuck in their old mindset. You and I both know that mindset is at least half the game. I can give someone the best training on subtle influence, but if they don't have the mindset to execute it, they're still looking through that narrow little keyhole of, I can't do it. This is not for me, blah, 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 blah. It's not enough. So as a good trainer, a good coach, it's not just my job to give people this information that will allow you to influence people in a matter of minutes so they see you as an authority and an expert. I've got to teach them the mindset that gets them to believe they can do it and gets them to be consistent and to follow through and to take action that's systematic and structured, which you and I both know is absolutely necessary to get results. Absolutely necessary. It is. And let's talk a little bit about, and I, I know this is kind of diverting into this question, but there's a system to selling, right? So there's the subtleties, there's the language patterns, the NLP, but there's a system to it. So do you want to talk a little bit about some pieces, you know, like in our structure, you know, we have a call center. So we have inbound and outbound calls. We've got setters who set for closers who actually posture that close. So people are really prepared for the decision, Right. So talk about some other structures. I mean, that's the one I teach is, you know, have somebody set appointments and the power of that appointment. So speak to just some of those other pieces that I think the listeners can add to their life like right away. I'm going to, with respect, defer that back to you because structure is not the strong point of what I teach about. I talk about the structure of your language, structuring your communication. For example, I can train people to present to an audience in such a way where, I'm not kidding, within the first two to three minutes, the audience already comes in wanting to believe you, already seeing you as an expert, and seeing the presentation you're making in and of itself as being of extreme value. They view you as the person giving them a gift. So I'm more about structuring a presentation than I am structuring staff and team and support. I can do that. I have my own staff on my own team, but you know far more about that than I do. So I'm going to defer that to you with all due respect. Nope, totally good. I appreciate the the clarity. I think it's good clarity for the listeners in that structuring. So while you're on it, then give some highlights, you know, because it is a presentation at some level, right? When you enter these conversations and I, I say getting your script together, what are some things then in that presentation structure yeah. just to yeah. be aware of? I'm going to give everyone a trick right now, a trick, a tactic, a tool. And I'm going to make a crazy claim, an absurd claim, a bizarre claim, but it's a true claim. If you implement, no, no, no. If you implement this, you will see your sales go up by 20%. Now, that may not seem like a large percent, but over time, that's a big percent. And you're going to use what I call implied relationship words. Because as you know, we want to create a relationship with the people who we're selling to. And implied relationships, it'll sound something like this. So before we begin this exploration of what I have for you today, can I ask that you make one promise? Will you promise that you share with me the questions that naturally arise when a great decision is going to be made? Now, I used a couple of words. I said promise 
First of all, I said together. When I say together, what does that imply? If I said, well, I'm going to make this presentation to you, there's no implication of a relationship. But when I say, before we explore this opportunity together, we and together imply a relationship. And then I say to you, will you promise me that you share one thing? Do we make promises to people that we don't trust? Uh, never. <laughs> okay. Do we share things, important things with people who we don't trust? Uh, rarely. Rarely. So the minute they buy it, I would, I would say no, but I think general, yes. general population yes. does. Generally speaking, no. So the minute they buy into the words share and promise, then we've got them again. So we together share and promise. But the minute they buy into those words, which they will, then they create the unconscious mind says, oh, I already have a relationship with this person, a relationship of trust. And then you say, now, you know, when you self-instate, you can't take questions because it gets in the way. But there's some circumstances which you can. You don't even have to. You can even say, will you promise me that you'll pay attention to the things I'm telling you that will help you make a really great decision today? And also notice, am I saying what the decision is? Am I saying make a decision to buy today? No, I'm being vague. And by being vague, I leave it to the unconscious mind to go, oh, I'm going to make the decision to buy. So these implied relationship words, as strange as they may sound, actually create the illusion, if you will, that there's a strong relationship that already exists. And you can do this in a matter of minutes. Mm, I love that. I tell, know. Us how, <laughs> tell us how to just crush objections. I mean, just crush them. And I know you kind oh, of went oh, there and weren't just yes, in this conversation, yes, but even yes. the just crushing. Yeah. I love this. So first thing I want to tell you, there's a rule behind this. And the rule is I never take my prospect's first responses written in stone. It's almost always a reflection of what they're thinking, feeling, or believing in that moment. And it's almost always subject to change. Basically, the idea is people have buttons around money. You of all people know this. And so they're going to have autopilot responses when it comes to handing over money because they don't see investments. Millionaires, as you know, don't see costs. Millionaires see, oh, what is this going to make me? They don't think, what is this going to cost me? They think, what is this going to make me? But nonetheless, it's hard to get people into that mindset. So I'm going to use one objection crusher that I call a counterexample. So if someone says to me, I need more time to think it over, here's my counterexample. Have you ever taken a long time to make a decision and it still turned out to be the wrong one? Now, <laughs> that's going to stop someone dead in their tracks because everyone has had that circumstance. Then I would follow it up with, maybe it's not about time, but about the clarity you need to discover this is the right move to make. So with that in mind, what questions do I need to have cleared up so you can see moving forward is a good thing for you to do? Do you see how we've reframed that? We've no longer made it about time. We've made it about clarity. And once we made it about clarity, we can move it forward by having them ask the questions they need to get that clarity. Does that make sense? Yeah, genius. Uh, what was that? I didn't hear you. That was <laughs> like, give me that call, one again. Give me that one again. Well, well, you know what? Whenever someone calls me a genius, two things happen. First, I get deaf and I need a lot of repeating. But second, yeah. it inspires me up to deliver even more value. <laughs> That's good. That's good. 
Um, yeah, I love that. And you just recently heard me speak. So I say, when people say, I, I don't have time, we all have the same clock. So it's never about time. I totally agree with that. No. And it's no. also nothing that they need to think about because they're thinking from that same, I'm going to say box. You know, I hate that metaphor, but that's just exactly. the you wanted to be. Exactly. So inside that box, you can't get ready, number one. If you wanted to get ready, you would have already been ready and you would have already been on time. To delay making money, like in my conversation, is odd. It's not even a rational statement that I'm not no. ready and I need more time. So I love that you associate it with clarity because that's exactly... And clarity in a different conversation, right? So and, try to get someone clear in something in a vocabulary pattern, I'm going to say, around money that they don't know. Like in my case, they don't know what they need. So they can't get ready and they, it's not about time. So can I, I give you another one? Can I give you another one you love? You can I give you another one? Please, please. It's too expensive. Just tell me that. Just say it's too expensive. Too expensive. I don't even use that language pattern. I don't even. Oh, how about this? I can't afford it. Just try that one. Just say, I can't afford it. I, can't, I know you I don't say. say. Yeah, I can't say okay. that. I, you can say it like okay. somebody else. Let's say someone says, I can't amazing. afford it. <laughs> Let's say someone says, I can't afford it. My response would be, how is that going to change for you if you don't invest in something like that? People say, if you always do what you've always done, you'll only get what you've always got. And that's not what you're here for. So keeping that in mind... Would you like to do the one-time payment or the three-pay option? <laughs> That's good. <laughs> I know. So we're taking the very meaning of the objection and turning it around to mean That's the very reason why you have to buy right now. Yeah, I love... Can I just say, I hope you hear my love of this coming through, that I really adore doing this, teaching and changing people's minds. And I think we have that in common because I did watch you speak and... One of the things I saw is your genuine joy in getting people to change their minds about how they look at money and how they look at handling money and building wealth. And I'm similar in the sense that I love to see people's minds change completely on how they view the process of selling. I live for those moments when they have a transformational understanding and they can never go back to their old way of seeing the world because that's the difference between... That's the difference between someone who's just plodding along doing their job and someone who's taking the joy of being a transformational teacher. And I really think, and it's going to seem like I continue to butter your bread, but I really mean this. I've watched a lot of people speak. I think you really have a joy in teaching. I know you can look out yep. at that audience and you can see who's not getting it, who's asleep, and who's transforming. And you know those ones who are transforming, those are the ones who are not only going to buy, but they're going to get it. They're going to be your future testimonials. Yep. Ross, talk a little bit about what are implied relationship words, right? Those are the ones I just mentioned. Share, promise, together, explore. Those are the ones that I just spoken about. Got it. Okay. Okay. So those are, that's what you title those words. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Those are good. So when we read your book, I'm assuming you're going to have some saying scripts. So talk a little bit about your book and how to use it. Because I know I interview a lot of authors who just say what's in their book. I like to know how to use the book. Okay. So the way the book works is first and foremost, I lay out the fundamental basic principles that make all the tools powerful. When I teach a tool, it's very important first that people understand how it works. So my structure of teaching is I will teach the fundamental principles that power the tools. 
Then I teach the basic and the advanced tools. Then I teach the specific applications, how to use it for opening it up, how to use a presentation, how to use it for the closing, how to use it to handle objections, and then doing some very, very super advanced tools. And then here's the really cool part. In the back of the book, we have two bonus sections, and these are transcripts of actual training sessions I did. One was with a real estate brokerage, and one was with a VIP financial planner client who I work with exclusively. So you'd be able to see the principles in action. I really love doing the book. It was a work of love and um, a labor of love. I'm just super pleased with it. So last question, and I know I just like saw time and I said, oh gosh, like we could talk forever. Just we're in a conversation I know we both love. So talk a little bit about being motivated and continuing. I get that question all the time. There's, I don't say failures, yeah. I say bruises. Yeah. So when you get a few bruises, you get a bunch of no's, you're not seeing success during the week. What gets you up and continues to have you go? Well, let me say two things. First of all, I have a completely different metaphor about success. Most people think that success is what I call the, I call it the vending machine theory of success. And let me unpack that metaphor. You put in your 50 cents of being consistent, your 50 cents of polishing your skills, your 50 cents of doing your affirmations, your 50 cents of making sure that you're keeping your team on track, you push the button, and out comes the candy bar of success. I don't think it works that way. I think it can be a lot more chaotic. My metaphor is sometimes success in business is like you're learning to paint, but the canvas is always moving. It changes shapes. Sometimes it disappears. And sometimes when you dip your brush into that paint, it comes out a different color paint than you expected. So you have to plan for chaos. You know this. There's there's an element of chaos in business. So you have to accept and embrace chaos as much as you want to put systems in. You have to embrace chaos. I have a saying. I say you're laughing. So you, that's the laugh of recognition. I have a saying every morning that I say to myself. My saying is my uncertainty and my chaos are my keys to my clarity, my focus, my purpose, my concerted action, and my success. So we embrace uncertainty and we embrace chaos. And the other thing is to recognize that every situation, whether you get a yes or whether you get a no, is something that you can learn from if you get in the right state of mind. People always say, just learn from your mistakes, but no one gives you a method how. So it's basically just a fortune cookie piece of advice. But one of the things I teach is how to get in the right frame of mind. Uh, I am a hypnotist. Stay cool with that. I'm not going to make anyone bark like a dog. But I do teach how to get into a little kind of self-hypnotic state where you can first and foremost see what you did right. You have to see what you did right. And then to begin to pick apart what you could have done differently. But most importantly, and you know this, get a good coach. Get a good mentor. If you want to make money, for heaven's sake, people, Go to Laurel. She's been doing this for years. Go to okay. someone who's gotten the result. I'm serious. Uh, I'm you know good. I love you. You know I love you. So um, is it okay to say that on the air? Uh, yep. I hope it is. Uh, it's okay. So what I wanted to say is get a coach. I'm sure in your time you've had a mentor and a coach probably more Every than year. more. Every year I still have them now. I have them all the time. Of course. So you've got to get a living without them. No. I mean, every day you make money no. decisions. 
Do you know who to call? I would be scared to death. <laughs> no. So get a mentor and a coach and a mastermind, but get a mentor who's been where you want to go, who's got the results, and keep on track that way. That really is the best way. That's what I would say. I would agree. So we got to roll. I will have you back on, and we're going to make up some more conversations. Sure. So, Ross, it's been great to be with you. And those of you My listening, pleasure. you can go to AskLaurel, A-S-K-L-O-R-A-L, AskLaurel.com. There's an opportunity for you to put in your name, your phone number, your email. Ask a question, make a request. You can talk to me privately, Ross privately, but let us help you make money, make sales, and uh, keep this journey going. So this is Laura's Real Money Talk. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another interview. Thanks for listening to the Real Money Talks podcast. Your host has been Laurel Langmire, author of five New York Times bestsellers, money expert on Dr. Phil, CNN, CNBC, The Street TV, Fox News, and The View. Want to learn more about off-Wall Street investing, tax strategies, and multi-million dollar business strategies? Visit liveoutloud.com slash podcast for past episodes, show notes, and resources. For some special wealth building gifts only for Laurel's podcast listeners, visit liveoutloud.com slash podcast gifts. Do you have a burning question for Laurel? Visit asklaurel.com to submit your question, and it may just be covered on a podcast episode. So stay tuned and be sure to subscribe to get new episodes every week.